Hey book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation or maybe spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. Welcome back, book friends. This is season two, episode five. We just had to do some math to figure out where we were. It's just (laughs) flying by. I know. I was like, wow, we're almost at the halfway point. Crazy. A couple more weeks and we'll be there. Yeah, and this is uh, our first episode in honor of Women's History Month. Mm. So, Yay, women. Yay, women. We like women, being women. Seeing women. Seeing women, talking about women. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good things. So I'm actually We wouldn't about be this month. here without women. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. It's true. I mean, I guess it's kind of like it takes two to tango, but <laughs> I mean, it's ultimately the women's choice. It is. At least yeah. sometimes. Sometimes. So to kick it off, we decided to go the classics route for the little classic chiclet, as we're calling it. Classic chiclet. Classic chiclet. Because we're classy you know, like we're that. We're classy chicks. <laughs> but before we get there, how was your week? Oh my God. My week oh. was filled with 16, 15 meetings. That's a lot of meetings. And then next week or this week, upcoming week, is also filled with that amount of meetings. And so I sent my boss an email on Thursday, or maybe it was Friday, and I was like, I am going to need a day next week where I don't have to talk to anybody (laughs) because I have done nothing but talk to people this whole bloody week. And I just need a day where I can sit in my pajamas and not talk. Yeah. So you're actually my only thing I'm doing today. Ditto. Just mental health day, personal day, not do anything day. Yep. Yeah, I'm one of those crazy introverts that has two jobs that require a lot of personal interaction, which I, on one hand, love, but it just sucks the life out of me, too. I think we're similar in that way of, like, we both like getting together with people, but then we need a day to recover. Like, Mm -hmm. we can be extroverted, but we have to come back to our introvertedness because otherwise we just run ourselves ragged and then we're Mm -hmm. zombies. Yep. So... We're putting on our happy pants one more time for you all today, and then we're going to crawl into our little holes and not talk to anyone. Exactly. Except for me, the grocery checkout person, when they ask how my day is. Yeah, I did that on Friday, so I wouldn't have to do it this weekend because well, I was over it. Or maybe I did it yesterday. I don't remember. Yeah. The days don't make sense to me anymore. <laughs> Anywho. But we got some nice tea we're drinking today. I know. It is delicious. I yeah. drank it already. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. You did. You like I sucked that it. It was down. so good. Good. Tell me about it. I will. So uh, this is one of our new uh, sponsors slash affiliates. Yay. Yay. So we're going to have a link in the show notes. Please, if you're interested in the tea that we're drinking or you want to learn more about them, um, please check them out. They are Adagio Tea, which is such a pretty name, mm-hmm. I think. And I've actually been ordering tea from them on and off for, oh gosh, like 15 years. Jesus. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of take a little hiatus. I don't know why. I think because I end up buying tea locally. Yeah. And then, you know, now as we're exploring different tea companies, I was like, hey, I should get some stuff from Adagio. Mm -hmm. And so um, they have been around, obviously, for a while. 
And I have a little blurb from their website that I'll read to us. So it says, "Begin." they began with the desire to introduce customers to an array of gourmet, hand-picked whole leaf teas and herbals sourced directly from tea farmers, which I like. Many tea drinkers were accustomed to having low-quality bags filled with tea dust as their only option. That sounds really depressing. That sounds disgusting. Yeah. And so their mission is to bring tea lovers in all corners of the United States and Canada fresh seasonal teas with abundant flavor and intoxicating aromas that will delight them daily. Mm. And I think you've been intoxicated and delighted today, right? I have, yes. Okay. It was delicious. From like the moment you poured it into my cup. Nice. So they're based out of Chicago. 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 And they sell a full range of teas. So they have black, they have white, they have green, they have oolong, they have herbal, um, roubois blends, and they also sell accessories for teas. Mm, fun. So now on to the actual tea that we're drinking. Um, so I did a little research on it, actually. So it is called um, Pouer Charange. And so it's basically a black tea with a chocolate orange flavor. Mm-hmm. And so it has orange peels, cocoa nibs, chocolate and orange flavor, and blue corn flowers. And I kind of arranged it out in a little dish, really pretty. It was so, super cute. so you could actually see the orange peels mm-hmm. and the blue corn flowers. I thought it looked really pretty. Yeah. And um, so a little bit of background though about the tea itself. Pu'er tea is one that's been allowed to ferment, and it typically comes from the southeast provinces of China. Huh. And so classic, traditionally fermented pu'er um, can ferment up to 25 years. Oh my gosh. Crazy, right? Whenever I think of fermenting, though, I feel like mushrooms. Mm. Like what does fermenting mean? Do we know? So it, there's microorganisms on the leaves. And uh-huh. so, they, so I guess they actually like, they say they like fry it, so like heat it up, and then they stack it in a warehouse, and then they just let it sit there, almost like compost, right? Oh. And so there's like microorganisms on it. Um, that then ferment, do the actual fermentation. You should see the look on Carrie's face right now. That just sounds kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, fermentation's all in right now. So we're like just doing the thing. We're doing the trendy thing, but now I think that there were bugs in my tea. No, 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 no. Because it's really hot. Like it kills all of it eventually. Like I think they die off. But um, so ours has not been aged for 25 years. So I was watching this little video and he's talking about that. Obviously, that's a really long process for making right. tea. It's like scotch. Yeah, so now they have gotten a, they have a really cool method where they like do it in a big room and there was this big long process. Maybe I'll link to the video. Yeah. Um but essentially now they can do it in about I think they, oh shoot, it was either 2 months or 8 months. Wow. Um that's crazy. But the other nice thing about it because of the fermentation process and so this is things that you might like even though you're getting a little skeeved out. It I, there's a enzyme that is created through the fermentation process that actually helps reduce cholesterol. Oh. And it's known as a good tea, digestive tea. So if you've eaten like a really heavier, rich meal, it's a good tea to drink after that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know what's funny about cholesterol is that NAU does this thing where it's like you can go and get your things mm-hmm. checked for your healthy U points. And the thing on cholesterol, you know, they write it down and it says, if you have high cholesterol, please refrain from eating packaged meats, sausage, uh-huh. bacon, <laughs> hot dogs. And like, that's my diet. My <laughs> cholesterol is so low. Interesting. So I think the science is wrong. I think it's also genes. I mean, but you all can... my family has. I think they all have crappy cholesterol. Hmm. I, I know they know. have crappy blood pressure, which I don't, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Well, maybe. But you I'm got... also 31, so I could wait 30 more years and see where I am by then. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think it just kind of depends. I mean, I think everybody handles it differently because I've known people that are super healthy and super fit 
and eat healthy and they have really high cholesterol. Yeah. So I think some of it's just your body. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. We digress. But the tea. But the tea. Oh, so what did you think of the tea? I really liked it. I added some milk to mine because I don't like black tea without some sort of Mm -hmm. dairy something or other. But it was nice. It had like this really good nutty flavor Mm -hmm. and a very subtle chocolate. And then the orange, I could really feel taste not feel i could feel the orange <laughs> i could taste the orange and the nut okay. and then Corey also gave us these cute little heart chocolates which yes. i thought went perfectly with the tea it was yes. the best breakfast oh. breakfast of champions there you go chocolate and tea <laughs> it's how i roll what did you think about it it's okay so um i think the nutty flavor they said uh, that was the last thing i was going to share is that a, a traditional puer tea is um supposed to be earthy mm-hmm. so i think nutty probably falls yeah. into that category as well I don't know. I thought in my head I liked the idea of the chocolate and the orange, um, but it I, it's a little off-putting for me. Hmm. So I might send this back home with you. It might just be a little present okay. for you. Um, Did it? Were you hoping for one of those like chocolate oranges? Do you remember those when we were kids? Do they still make those? I think they do. Which you know, so there. Here's the thing: is I don't know why I thought I would like it because I don't like chocolate and orange. <laughs> Corey. I was trying to expand my tea flavors. What well, can I say? I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's just silly. <laughs> that'd be like us. We don't like rose in our tea, and that would be us going and buying mm. rose tea. Yeah. We know better. Okay. Well, I was just trying to expand my horizons. <laughs> Give me a break. So I don't dislike it. I, I think it's just not for me. Oh. I would love to just get a straight pu'er and get like the full. I think I would just enjoy it the full tea flavor. I think mm. it tastes a little muddied to me. Like I want mm. I want just the tea. I don't and want... you even picked the lighter cup. I did. I even gave you the lighter one. I yeah. Know. I know. So oh, you probably would have hated mine. Mine was darker. <laughs> You'll see in the photos that yeah, we post. Which that was is super fascinating. Yeah. Cause you didn't wait any longer to no, cause I just, pour it. yeah, I wonder though, oh, you know, I know what it is because, so I have one of those, um, little infusers that then you set on a cup and it drains down. Uh-huh. So the tea at the bottom is what drains out first, which was what uh, closest contact to the, l- the leaves. leaves. Yeah. So yeah. maybe you need to give it a little swoosh. A little swoosh, swoosh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Very random in-depth tea slash yeah. cholesterol. Talk. But that is one of our new goals for episodes, so give us some feedback. We want to be um, a little more informed with our tea conversations instead of just saying, hey, it's this tea and we like it or we don't like it. Right. So let us know what you think you want to hear about teas. What would make you buy mm-hmm. the tea that we're drinking? Yep. And we have some tea plans in the works, so yeah, stay tuned. big plans. Big plans. It's going to be so big, fun. Big, plans. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever find time. I know, seriously. Know, working girls here. Yeah. All right, so moving on to books. Books. Do you want to talk about uh, chiclet? Sure. All right. So, chiclet. Chiclet. Mix. I always think of gum when we say chiclet. It's true. Oh, yeah, because the little chiclets. Yeah. Nobody probably remembers those. They're still around. Are they? I think so. I don't know. I don't buy gum. I don't like gum. Oh, I love gum. Okay, so chiclet. Wikipedia has us covered again. So Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> chiclet or chick literature is genre fiction, which quote-unquote, consists of heroine-created narratives that focus on the trials and tribulations of their individual protagonists. Mm, Yeah, that sounds about right. The genre often addresses issues of modern womanhood, from romantic relationships to female friendships to matters in the workplace, and in a humorous and lighthearted way. Which, yeah. 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 
At its onset, Chicklet's protagonists tend to be single, white, heterosexual British and American women in their late 20s and early 30s living in metropolis areas. That is a mouthful of a sentence. And, and also accurate. Wow, I was like, whoa, that was like a really good sentence that just summarized what Chicklet is. Yeah. That's what I envision it. As. But it's crazy. Like, I mean, heterosexual had to have been added recently. Probably. Right? Because they didn't yeah, say heterosexual in. But it's still accurate. It's true. But I mean, I, I'm sure there's probably no. There's some lesbo, uh, LGBTQ chiclet. I think. But if we're talking about the classic sense of that's chiclet, true. Like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. It's for. I mean, think. Come you on. win. Bridget Jones, <laughs> the shopaholic. I mean. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So the genre became popular in the na- late 1990s, which is crazy. Um, that sounds about right. With yeah. chiclet titles topping bestsellers li- bestseller lists and the creation of imprints devoted entirely to chiclet. Yeah. And then chick, in quotes, is American slang for a young woman, and mm-hmm. lit, in quotes, is a shortened form of literature. Chiclet scholars note that the term was first used ironically in 1995 by Chris Mazza and Jeffrey DeShell as the title of their edited anthology Chicklet, post-feminist fiction, which contains 22 short fiction pieces in response to Maza and Deschel's call for post-feminist writing. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So this week is also following Modern Mrs. Darcy's 2018 reading challenge for the category of a classic you've been meaning to read. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Which was both of these for me. Yeah, I, you know, I really, I've, I think my critique of the word Chicklet is that it's become derogatory. Yeah. And it is kind of fluffy, but I'm always one that says you shouldn't be ashamed of what you're reading. Like, if you want to read Fifty Shades of Grey, have at it, pussycat. Yeah. Uh, You know, whatever you want to read, whatever is bringing you joy or distracting you. And so I hate that it's been, like, kind of put down as this fluff. Uneducated writing that yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. serve a purpose but i love chiclet i, I especially do. love british chiclet oh, me too <laughs> and i can i think that the reason why we read at least you mm-hmm. and i is a form of escapism and yeah. if we need to get transported back mm-hmm. to 1902 and british or french or whatever and yeah. enjoy a love story of not being very subtle or being very <laughs> subtle We'll talk about that. I don't know that I enjoy subtlety. Ugh, you like it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we will actually do some more modern chiclet in two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're looking at me funny, but we are. Because, yeah. Anyways, okay. we are. Trust me. Trust me, <laughs> listeners. I am on it. I know our schedule. Um, but for today, we're going back to what has been called maybe some of the earliest versions of mm-hmm. chiclet. And um, two kind of classics. And so we're going to do things a little differently today, I think, because we were both on the struggle bus at different times for different reasons with different books. <laughs> I just said different like five times uh, with our choices. Yeah. So I picked Emma by Jane Austen and I had not read it before. I have seen the movie with Gwyneth Paltrow a long time ago and I vaguely remember being amused by it. And as I was reading, I could kind of vaguely remember bits and pieces of it, mm. um, but it didn't really influence me a whole lot. And then you picked... Jane Eyre by Charlotte by Bronte. Charlotte Bronte. <laughs> Sorry, brain fart. <laughs> Curious to be panicked. She's like, crap, who wrote Jane Eyre? I'm like, right here. <laughs> Which I feel like is a classic that 
everybody should read at some point, even mm-hmm. if it is painful. Yeah. Well, so I did get just a couple random facts about each of the books, too. So and I, I'm going to quiz Kiri to see if she knows any oh, of these. Oh, God. Okay. This is going to be fun. Okay. All right. So when was Emma published? Shoot. It just recently had its anniversary. 1815. Yes. Good job. Yeah. Jane Austen <laughs> for the win. So, yes, it was published in December 1815, almost on her birthday. Fun fact. Mm. And so it had its 200th anniversary in... 2015. 2015. Mm. It's considered one of her most significant writing achievements. Nah. And um, it was also, con- she was just considered to change fiction as a whole. Uh, her books are what we, are kind of the precursor to what we have as modern novels today. So she really mm. kind of set the stage for things. Yeah. So then on the other hand, do you know when Jane Eyre was published? No. 1847. I was actually just thinking that. Really? I was like 1840-ish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And initially it was published under a masculine pseudonym, mm-hmm. Courier Bell. And Charlotte Bronte didn't like Jane Austen. Yeah. And so they're not contemporaries. Jane Austen was... So I think they said that when um, Emma, Emma was published, the Bronte sisters were like... Or Charlotte Bronte in particular was like one... <laughs> Mm. And Jane Austen was dead by the time the Bronte sisters started publishing their books. Oh. So I thought that was interesting. And so they talked a little bit about their time. So uh, they said that Jane Austen was very much of her time, kind of that Regency, um, early 1800s, still very conservative. She came from upper middle class. She had quite a bit of money. She had Mm -hmm. the support of her family. Whereas the Bronte sisters were like solidly lower middle class. Mm -hmm. And they were on the... Bar- embarking of the industrial revolution mm-hmm. and a lot of social change. So that influenced their writing quite a bit. Yeah. So that I think are some things to keep in mind, which is funny because I found Jane or I found, yeah, Jane Eyre more difficult to read versus Emma. And I had the opposite. Oh, interesting. I know. I feel like with Emma, though, like Jane Austen uses normal words constructed in normal sentences, while Jane Eyre was like what? this crapshoot no, no. of randomness. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, we're like such different people. <laughs> How are we even friends? <laughs> so I had Because I bring you squirrel paintings. Yes, she did. Oh, my gosh. We'll have to put a picture of that in the, um, online. I had the exact opposite experience. Oh, my God. I, I wanted to stab myself with a pencil reading Jane Eyre. I felt that way about Emma. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I made it to page 114 on Emma. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. We've talked about life's too short to read books that yeah, you don't like. it's true. And I was like, if I don't stop, I'm never going to get through this book. And I'm never even going to start Jane Eyre. So mm-hmm. in an effort of full disclosure, because I spent so much time trying to pick up and read Emma, I'm only about halfway through Jane Eyre. But the minute I started it, I was like, yes. Oh, no. Yes. No. And here's why. So so a couple of things, a couple of thoughts, because I've been thinking about it. Think. Okay. And and I did a lot of research, too, about the books, and that's part of why I was, because I was like, why am I, why am, is one speaking to me and not the other? I don't think I do well with subtle. And mm. I think, so here's how I would compare the two books using modern terms. Okay. Jane Austen is like today's literary fiction, like Fate and Furies or like any of those books where it's Mm -hmm. like complex human relationships, Mm -hmm. unlikable characters, nothing really happens other than some dialogue and people being mean to each other. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're breaking my heart right now. And she wasn't mean. So I, I but she, like, not, not purposefully mean. <laughs> she was naively mean. Um, whereas, you know, so that, and that is, and that is Jane Austen's writing style. She's very subtle. It's about conversations. It's about yeah. commentary on social class. It's about navigating social relationships at a certain population of people. And I'm just not really intrigued by it. And Jane Eyre is the blunt in your face. Gothic. Yeah. You know, there's big dreams mm-hmm. and big feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the other thing is, is I've realized I'm a sucker for a good orphan story. Mm. And so just from the very beginning, when she's this poor, abused little orphan. Oh, and she's shoved in the red room. Yes. And she cries. Yes. And there's she a ghost. ghost and, and the doctor is a jerk. And everybody's mm-hmm. a jerk. And then she yells at her aunt about like, yeah. and then she they gets, see you. They know what you're doing. <laughs> and then she gets sent to the school. Yeah. And um, for me, it just, it had action. Mm. Things were happening. Yeah. And, and then again, like I started thinking about some of my other favorite orphan books. Like, I mean, going to super classics, Anna Green Gables. I haven't read that book. A Little Princess. I haven't read that book. The Secret Garden. I haven't read that book. God, what is wrong with you? I um, don't like orphan stories. <laughs> apparently, and I love them. So I think I got sucked in from the very beginning, uh. like, cause it's like the story of her life. Um, and the other thing that I found really interesting that I read with the two of them is both of them are very well regarded. And of course, I, I haven't had a lot of like classical education and literature, but it was interesting to read about how each of these books are very specific examples of a literary style mm-hmm. and that the authors are known for kind of introducing them. Mm-hmm. And so with Emma, it's called, wait for it, people, I'm looking for it. Okay. It was revolutionary in its form and technique. This is from a Guardian article. And it says, it's heroine as a self-deluded young woman Mm -hmm. with leisure and power to meddle in the lives of her neighbors. Mm -hmm. And the narrative was radically experimental because it was designed to share her delusions. And the narration was bent through the distorting lens of the protagonist's model or a protagonist's mind. But it's a third person narrative. Mm -hmm. So, Emma doesn't know that she's delusional, mm-hmm. but we know that she's delusional mm-hmm. and we're kind of, um, we're, we're like experiencing it with her, but we also have this omniscient point of view. Whereas mm-hmm. with Jane Eyre, it's told in the first person, mm-hmm. it's self-reflective and it has this really fancy German name called, I had to look this up too. Hopefully I can say it. Bildeschromen. Here we go. Bildeschromen which is basically a fancy word for a novel of formation, education, and coming of age. It's a hmm. literary genre. Hmm. And so, again, I think there's movement. Instead of just being like this, I don't. I guess, I don't know how long Emma lasts, maybe a year since apparently there's a, ba- a baby that happens, but um, I, I just felt like with Jane Harris, things keep happening. Think she keeps moving, she keeps changing, and it's just more interesting to me. And and just mm. the kind of unrequited love and the and I think what I really wish is that I didn't know the story of Jane Eyre because right. it's such a great mystery really with all this what are these screams and the right. guy getting attacked and I'm like oh I already know all what's going yeah. on here he has his crazy wife locked in the attic yeah but can you imagine so think about back to if you didn't know the story of Jane Eyre and you were reading this it would be a page turner it would be a mystery which I love yeah. 
I couldn't get over the language. And I loved the language. I just I, couldn't do it. Was it was so poetic and beautiful. It but was, see, that's how Jane Austen is. See, I didn't think Jane Austen... I, I don't know. But was it just Emma? Because you just read Pride and Prejudice recently. Did you... Do okay. you feel the same way about mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice that it, was, it wasn't captivating? I didn't find it super captivating. Interesting. Do yeah. You, Interesting. Do you think it's because of the language or do you think it's because she's so not direct? Because it was, you know, she wrote Pride and Prejudice in the late 1700s. I think it's both. Okay. I think I like the directness, but I felt like, let me see if I can find an example of what I thought was beautiful. I'm curious to see how you react to it. Um... I just feel like, so the one thing that I do have to say about Jane Austen is that once you read one of her books, you kind of know how all of the other books are going to be. Like, they're Mm -hmm. very similar. The names are similar. The situations are similar. Mm -hmm. It's always about privileged women. And I think it's because she modeled it after her own life. Like, Pride and Prejudice has some truth in it because of what happened Mm -hmm. with her sister and with herself. I mean, there's just her story. Like, Jane Austen is a sad character of she falls in love with somebody mm-hmm. and he falls in love with her and they don't work out, you know? Right. And then she stays unmarried. The, she becomes a spinster essentially and lives with her brother because the man that she really loves, who she wanted to marry, is not available. True. And it's just like this very sad situation. And I think Emma's kind of the same way of she wants to set her family up or her friends up Mm -hmm, as like mm -hmm. I want you to experience love and she doesn't really realize that she could possibly fall in love with somebody Mm -hmm. because she's so interested in helping other people find love and I think that's pretty prominent Mm -hmm. in all of her novels it's prominent in Mansfield Park it's prominent in Persuasion it's Mm -hmm, prominent mm -hmm. in Emma and Pride and Prejudice you know she the characters always have more feelings for their sister or their Mm -hmm. best friend of trying to find that happiness so and I think it's because she lived kind of a shitty life yeah that could be although she you know that was one of the things that they talk about is that Emma is probably her most potentially unlikable heroine yeah I mean I hated Emma and you know and so yeah I mean they talk about and she even said she's like she's probably my favorite but she was Jane Austen's favorite yeah but she said, I don't know if people are going to like her, but I love her. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting little... So maybe that's the person she wants to be. Perhaps. You know, the person who doesn't care or doesn't care about love, or at least doesn't think that they care about right, love. Right, and then does care about love. And yeah. I think she did care about love, but unfortunately it did not mm-hmm. work out. Yeah. Ugh, breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I mean, she had a very comfortable and privileged life. She was a successful woman author in the early 1800s. Yeah. She had a loving, supportive family. But I mean, maybe she paved the way for the Bronte sisters. Oh, she totally you know? did. Like, oh, absolutely. And maybe there's jealousy in the fact that Jane Austen may always be more popular than the Bronte yeah. sisters. I don't think there was jealousy. I think it's just a very different writing styles mm. and... They always just make me feel depressed. (laughs) The Bronte sisters. Really? Hmm. Interesting. What is the other book? Uh, Wuthering Heights. Yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty dark. I haven't read that since like high school. But yeah. All right. I want to. Can I? How can you not think this is beautiful? Try and make me see beauty. Okay. Let's see. Oh, it's at the beginning of the book, which is my least favorite part. (laughs) Um. Okay. So how about? 
Each picture told a story, mysterious often to my undeveloped understanding and imperfect feelings, yet ever profoundly interesting, as interesting as the tales Bessie sometimes narrated on winter evenings when she chanced to be in a good humor, and when having brought her ironing table to the nursery hearth, she allowed us to sit about it, and while she got Mrs. Reed's lace frills and crimped her nightcap borders, fed our eager attention with passages of love and adventure taken from old fairy tales and older ballads. No. Really? Yeah. Oh, I just, I really enjoy it. I just don't even know how to explain. I, it, it, to me, it read easier. Like it flowed. It was beautiful writing, but it was direct. But it was direct. I felt like. Mm. And again, I think. Um, oh, here's one that I like too. I just, I, I guess, I just found this more. And and her writing is called more lyrical, um, which I think sometimes I like more than you do. Yeah, you but, like a lot of words. Yeah. But this is another one I thought that I underlined just because I thought it was pretty. Um, my spring is gone, however, but it has left me some French flowerette on my hands, which in some moods I would be fain to be rid of, not, not valuing now the root whence it sprang, having found it that it was sort of which nothing but gold dust could, could manure. I have but half a liking to the blossom, especially when it looks so artificial as just now. I don't even know what the hell that means. <laughs> what the hell does that even mean? Um, so she's just talking, she's outside and she's like talking about flowers and the change of life and no. Uh, okay. All right. I just let you just like it. That's cool. But it is funny. Um, yeah. Oh, this one is good. Mm-hmm. I like that. She's talking about Miss Ingram, who she thinks is Rochester's going to mm-hmm. be Rochester's wife. Uh, she was very showy, but she was not genuine. She had a fine person, many brilliant attainments, but her mind was poor, her heart barren by nature. Nothing bloomed spontaneously on that soil. No unforced natural fruit delighted by its freshness. See, I just think it's the use of, um, what is it called? Um, analogies? Yes. I don't think I like analogies very oh, well. Okay. And I think this book, Jane Eyre, is filled with them all the <laughs> time. Like you're talking about somebody's personality, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden a tomato comes into the picture and you're like, what the hell does a tomato have to do with a person? <laughs> you know, Bye. like I just don't mm-hmm. like, okay. So for example, my coworkers and I, we call it the blossom board because somebody had said something about somebody else. This is very vague. Of this person is really blossoming. And so we decided to make it a joke of anytime you basically kiss ass or are a brown noser, you get a blossom point. But it has to be like genuine to the point where people think that you're actually (laughs) being, you're blossoming, quote, quote. And so we have a blossom board and I'm actually winning at the blossom board. I have no idea why, but that's funny. I just don't like it Hmm. because I just don't think it really. I think it's an easy way to not say something. Like, instead of being blunt of uh-huh. this person is very mm. artistic and straight to the point, it's like, let's throw in a vine and say that this person goes up and down and is inconsistent. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. And I think it's because I've just had it beaten out of me in a lot of ways. Got it. Okay. Because as an English major, I loved it. Right. And I okay. loved the flowery language. Uh-huh. But then as a technical writer, you kind of are you like... Conciseness yeah. and directness, which I totally agree. I mean, I I mean, I would, I would agree with you. Like, that was one of the big things with my thesis when I was writing it for my master's program. My advisor would have me remove all the extraneous words. Yeah. 
Um, so maybe that's why I love them even more now because I can enjoy it whenever someone else gets paid to do that. <laughs> it's true. I think I just want to like know what's going to happen. Uh, like I start investing in these people uh-huh. and any sort of side note or extra, extra, what is the word called? Extraneous. Thank you. Yeah. Any of that. I'm just like, I just want to get to the point of this like person. Like what is the core of this person and how is it affecting them instead mm-hmm. of the... Their mood was like the ocean waves on a full moon of coming and going and splashing against the rocks and ripping away the sand. And I'm like, what? But see, I would argue that Emma still does that. It just does it in a different way. Like, they don't speak directly. I mean, that's a lot of the whole point of Emma is that it's all this subtle humor about how she doesn't realize what an idiot she is as far as how delusional. Like, she thinks she's doing all these nice things for people, but yet she's actually like this really rude snob. And But we know that. Like, we know that as the reader. She may not know that. Right. And I think that's the difference. But then we have be- to listen to her prattle on about, oh, I just did this great thing. And, oh, I just know this is going to work. And yeah, I'm the I best mean, I totally get it. Ever. Like, she is annoying as hell. Like, I don't particularly like Emma. <laughs> yeah. But I think because we already know who she is, that there is not any need for the, like, fluff of her skin blossomed like a ripe tomato in may and her bosom but was you blah. have to dig through all this boring dialogue to get the subtleties of but what's actually dialogue going is on. funny it is, not it is funny. like a bantering it is like <sighs> a 12 year old it's like what we were in high school that is how i view it and maybe yeah. that's maybe yeah. why i kind of have a i don't like it but it's mm-hmm. tolerable because I read all of these books in high school. And so yeah. that's how very much how we are in high school of okay. I'm going to play the matchmaker with my friends and <laughs> I'm such a awesome person like that. We all view ourselves as cool sure. as hell yeah. in high school. And I think her characters are, you know, 18, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. still pretty young True. emotionally yeah. and mentally not have good experience, mm-hmm. life experience. So then you have Jane Eyre, who's just kind of like, She's had a hard life, so she has a different so view more of life. Interesting. I don't think that makes her more interesting. I think so I, to me, Emma was just a spoiled, rich little brat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I you just... can't hate somebody though because of the privilege that they're brought up in. Sure, you can. I mean, you can, but it's not yes. fair because how many people like have had a horrible well, childhood? Well, sure. I know. I'm, I'm not saying that I hate her, but I just, you didn't, do hate her. I just didn't find her particularly <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I, I just, mean, she is a lot like, um, what is her name in Pride and Prejudice? Shoot. Um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Dar- or not Darcy, but Benning Elizabeth too. Knightley. Okay. No. Elizabeth Benning. Elizabeth Bennett. Bennett. Brain there we fart. go. Oh my God. I know. Hot mess. I'm actually wondering now if all of her main protagonists start with an E. Hmm. Because you have Emma, you have Elizabeth. What was Mansfield Park? Oh, I have no idea. I don't remember. Anyway, they yeah. are very similar. Like all the women are similar. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we should take a break. I think we have, I think our listeners get, the, get that we are just not going to agree on these two books for very okay. different reasons. That's why we do this, yeah. is so you get a well-rounded education yeah. about the books. I will say, I appreciate your, your perspective on it, though. Like, I, I, on one hand, I agree with you as far as the intent and purpose. Like, I think it's more me figuring out 
what I find interesting and readable, yeah. especially with older literature. Well, that's what this is about. Right, like, right. You offer perspective that I don't mm-hmm. have because I'm shut off to it yeah. or, you know, I don't yeah. like it and vice versa. It's so, yeah, we're I, having a well-rounded discussion right. and we're drinking yeah. tea. So, yeah, like, so when I translated it to kind of what I like in modern day literature, I was like, of course, this is why I like Jane Eyre and Emma. I'm finding a slog right because i don't like the modern version of emma's and i do Mm. love the modern version of um jane eyre type of stuff Mm. big mysteries Mm. unrequited love passion stories of coming of age and i mean there's just more interesting stuff going on there well weren't they kind of like i mean they had to use fake names right the bronte sisters when they first started publishing well, yeah, she published under a pseudonym, but I think she yeah. did that intentionally. She didn't want people to know who she was. I think she got outed by this other guy. I was reading this article, and yeah, she got, got forced into it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's All take right. a break. So we're going to take a break. We're also going to tell you about our sponsor today which, for something completely different, and we'll be back in a few. So today's sponsor is Prep Dish. So here is how it works. They thoughtfully craft out a week's worth of gluten-free and paleo meals that feature seasonal ingredients to make the most of your budget, save you time, and surprise your taste buds. Along with a weekly menu, you get a printable grocery list and instructions for prep day, which usually is about two hours of prep, and then it yields you scrumptious, good-for-you dishes all week long. Uh, You can select either a monthly subscription for $14 a month, a yearly subscription for $99 a year, or a premium subscription for $149 a year. Every Friday, you receive a newsletter with links to your meal plan with recipes and tips. Your meal plan comes as a downloadable PDF and includes three pieces, the grocery list, your prep day, and then dish day, so when you actually cook the stuff. And you can save them, so it's kind of nice. So if you only do it for a few months or a year, you still have the, the menus. Um, I, about a year ago, signed up for the premium subscription, which when I did the math comes out to less than $3 a week. So still a little bit of a splurge, but if you have a busy life, wouldn't it be amazing to let someone else do the meal planning and thinking for you and know that you could have dinner on the table in a half an hour or less after doing the weekend prep? What do you think, Kiri? I think it sounds pretty cool. Okay. And so each week you get four crepe-worthy meals, one creative side salad, a nutritious snack, and a wholesome breakfast, and also a dessert. And then the advantage of premium is that you get access to previous months and weeks menus and as well as special offers. Like they just did a 21 day challenge in January and you don't even have to eat gluten-free or paleo on a regular basis. I have found that the meals are healthy, tasty, and easy to make even, and I don't follow either of those diets ever. (laughs) So, (laughs) and for example, I actually discovered that I like wrapping a hamburger in a lettuce leaf Mm. instead of a bun. I was like, this is actually really good. Yeah. Um, I don't even miss the bun. Mm. But so to give you an idea of what kind of food you get, a recent menu included turkey and zucchini lasagna, a sausage, white bean, potato, and shard soup, um, and then chicken with peanut dipping sauce, sesame broccoli, and brown rice. Mm, yum. Doesn't that sound good? Make me hungry. Yeah. And it is super easy. I have found it real. The prep is pretty easy, and then it really is nice to be able to just come and pull a few things together if you have a busy week and just finish cooking everything off mm-hmm. and boom, you have a healthy dinner instead of saying, let's get takeout. I'm too tired to cook. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Join now to get delicious access to these delicious options and use our link in the show notes. 
I've really enjoyed them. They've been really, I've, I've learned a lot. And they also have an autoimmune protocol elimination diet and they do like special menus, like um, stuff that you could freeze. Uh, it, there's just all sorts of cool stuff that she does. And she is a, it's a one woman show kind of as far as planning it. And she does, um, uh, she is a licensed nutritionist. Cool. So yeah. So check it out folks. And I think you can do like a two week free trial to see if you like it and then if you like it um, then you can up for a paid subscription okay that's all i got today okay so do you think that we spent enough time talking about our likes and dislikes about these two books I think so. <laughs> I was just looking at the recording and I was like, wow, we talked for 38 minutes already. Yeah. But some of that was about tea and other stuff. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, but we, we got into quite a lively debate about them. It's true. <laughs> so next week to kind of continue celebrating Women's Month, we're doing nonfiction. Yay. And the book that I picked is The Underground Girls of Kabul in Search of a Hidden Resistance in Afghanistan by Jenny Nordberg. And so this is anchored by vivid characters who bring this remarkable story to life. Azita, a female parliamentarian who sees no other choice but to turn her fourth daughter, Mehran, into a boy. Oh. Zahara, the tomboy teenager who struggles with puberty and refuses her parents' attempt to turn her back into a girl. Whoa. Shakriya. Shukriya, I think that's how you say her name. Now a married mother of three after living for 20 years as a man. And Nadir, who prays with Shahid, the undercover female police officer, as they both remain in male disguises as adults. I had no idea that that's what this book was about. So I started reading this book last week, and the first piece that you read is a poem about not oh. being a woman. Wow. Like, it's basically, I'd rather be anybody else but a woman. So oh. it'll be interesting to mm -hmm. read it. And I think it was, the book was done between 2011 and 2015. So okay. still pretty new. Pretty new. Yeah. Okay. And then I picked Single Ladies by Rebecca <laughs> Traster. <laughs> I paused because we had a little oops in our script. Um, I recently changed. So initially I picked Nasty Women, Feminism, Resistance, and Revolution in Trump's America which I still think is going to be an interesting read. However, after some conversations with Kiri, we decided to pick something that we thought was maybe a little more approachable and kind of celebrates being a woman and also gives a really great and quick down and dirty snapshot of feminism, the history of women's rights, and looks at what does it be, mean to be a modern woman today? Mm -hmm. What kind of relationships do you have, both you know, um, romantic relationships and friendships and um, so it's called um, All the Single Ladies. Yes, just like Beyonce. Sorry, mm -hmm. you're going to be singing that all day now. Um, by Rebecca Traister. And we're, I guess we're kind of cheating, but not really. We actually read this in book club together. Yep. And um, I know for me, I really enjoyed it. I kept the book. I know I gave it to my 25-year-old sister and was like, you need to read this right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it really appeals to a wide variety of ages. You don't have to be single. Um, but it just, it's really well researched and written and yeah. approachable. And I think it'll be a much more positive and enlightening conversation mm -hmm. for us to have this time around. Yeah. 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 So that is what we have coming up next for you all. So stay tuned. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. 
It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 